Hey friends, today we're talking about the top 10 ways to get started in homesteading. What you should do first, how you should do it. We're getting lots of questions right now. Spring is in the air. How do you get started with homesteading? What would you suggest starting out with? This is our answer to all those questions. Take a listen, let us know what you think, and uh, leave us a review. We'd love to hear more from you. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. This is our idea of what we would do if we got started. There's no perfect answer. I just know that like from what we have learned, these are some ideas that if I was starting again, when we're helping people get started, this is kind of like where we tell people, you know, start with these steps. There's Brienne. She started at the end of January. So what did you do first, Brienne? That's what I want to know. But we actually have done... We've done urban homesteading because we lived in the city before on a quarter of an acre. And so we kind of have both sides of that. Like if you're living in the city and you are trying to make the most of it, we can, we definitely can relate because we did that for a long time and it, we did really well. We did so well there that we actually were selling at farmer's markets and things. So we had chickens and bees and a full greenhouse and a garden. Yeah, no, full greenhouse, that sounds A like tiny that. little greenhouse. It was like a 10, <laughs> yeah. 10 foot greenhouse. It was an appropriately sized greenhouse. That that. We did, yeah. and we were, we'd sell plants, and so we, we did really well, and in a lot of ways, I have said this from the beginning of moving out here, we were able to get more done there because we had to be so hyper-focused, and we had such a limited kind of space. Like, we didn't have a lot of things to distract us, whereas out here... You know, then we got sheep and goats and dogs and ch- more children. And so, you know, we just got more responsibilities stuff going on. Yeah. And it's harder to really like hone in and perfect. I call it like chasing the homestead squirrel. Yeah. You know, you get out there and you're like, I want to go garden. And then you look over and the sheep are getting out of the fence. And you're like, well, now I need to fix the fence. And then when you're ever looking at the fence, you're like, the charger's not working right. Yeah. And it's like. You spend this, Lacey's a little bit worse at it than I am, but you spend this all day. He's always yelling at me about this. You spend all day trying to fix all the little things and you don't get anything actually. I don't mind that. He really likes to check boxes. I I like going out and just doing whatever pops up. So it's not like I feel like I don't get things accomplished. I'm pretty happy if I get a few seeds in the ground. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, this is the most productive time of year. It's the most, the busiest time of year. And it's the time when people start like putting things in the ground. And so if you're doing that on any level, then it's good to really be thinking about your master plan. And this can be really hard when you're just starting out with a property because, you know, it can be overwhelming. I mean, first of all, depending on how much acreage you've got, you have to like, you have to plan for the future. And anyway, so I made a list. Miranda says that she checks boxes and her husband is chaos. I would not like to say that I'm chaos. So I don't know if that. (laughs) That's not a word there. (laughs) 
I feel like intuitive is a better word for it. <laughs> Do we homestead full time? I'm not sure how you how you define that. We work from home, so, so we're yes. here all the time. That feels like a yes. But the homestead does not pay our bills. But the homestead does pretty much determine our schedule. So, yeah. you know, like we work around what we have to do on the homestead, yeah. if that makes sense. So I made a list of tools to have and then what not to get right away. Mm -hmm. I thought those were two. And Lacey, Ooh, that's you'll, interesting. you'll have to fill this one in. So too. I feel like we have a, a really case in point of our styles. Drew has made very nice lists. And I said, yeah, that looks good. And I'll just... I'll yeah. just chime in with that's the that, to That's mind. that strength finders. If you guys haven't done that, if you're working together as couples, it's yeah. good to know each other's strengths. Well, it is important to not try to like, and this we've fallen victim for this. In marriage, I think, whether you're homesteading or not, this is important to not try to like make the other person be more like you or to do things the way you do them. Because the thing that, I mean, it's true in all relationships, right? The thing that makes the thing work better is really like, Letting each person do it their way and seeing how things Meet play in the out. middle. Meet in the middle. Yeah, the old Georgia pine. <laughs> okay, so what not to get right away? I'll get my list and then you can be thinking about yours. What not to get? Yeah, so number one, don't get chickens right away. Don't get livestock right away. I could not agree more. Don't get a livestock guardian dog don't right away. Don't get fencing Don't right get away. fencing right away. Do not do it. Do not make a large garden. And I'm talking like, you know, like when we first got here, like 50 by 50. I'd say anything more than one. You have like an acre garden. Yeah. It's anything more than one raised bed, do not do in your first growing season. And I'm giving you permission. If you want to do it, do it. But I'm giving you permission to not do it. You know, if you've got somebody pushing you one way. Encouragement to not Yeah, do it. you can say these homesteading crazy said don't do it. Mm -hmm. And this is a big one, guys and gals. Um, don't get a tractor <laughs> in the first year. I think yeah. a lot of people get homesteads to get a tractor. So right. this is kind yeah. of a wow. Yeah. But what I'm going to say is. You're probably going to want a lawnmower. Your tools that you should have is a mower and a weed eater. A chainsaw, a shovel, a wheelbarrow, hoses, lots of hoses, drop cords, <laughs> farm boots, real farm boots, not the ones you get from Target, but like <laughs> farm boots from like farm boots that are going to hold up a whole season. Yes. And hand pruners. That's my list. What, what do you have on you? What, what to not get or get. You can oh. go either way. And you guys chime in if you got other things that you think should be on the list. You're probably going to want to have 74 hand trowels because you should have one wherever you might dig a hole because yeah. you're never going to find the same one again when you want it. So I think 75 is a reasonable amount of hand trowels. That's what I was thinking for drop cords. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. have we have this five acre field in the front and we like until this past summer, we literally had four 100 foot hoses going all the way across this field because we just didn't like hadn't taking the time to put in any other kind of water system and it was ridiculous eventually though that did that system did help us iron out where to put in the hand pump thing is what you yeah. call those things yeah the but, uh water hydrant yeah the water hydrant yeah. seems more strategic location so but that was an expense you know it wasn't cheap to get that done so it was better to know where we actually needed those and get it done right the first time than to do it you know, and, and our homestead was different too because it had never been farmed before. So it depends on what you're buying too because a lot of infrastructure might be there already. We had nothing. We had an 80s ranch that we hated and 
10 acres of woods. (laughs) So, you know, like that was a more than from scratch. We were kind of in the negative because we didn't even have clear space for animals to to eat grass or anything. So it really will depend on your starting point, some of these things, because like you might not need so many hoses if there's already yard hydrants. You might not need to like really evaluate where you're going to put a barn because there's already a barn there, you know? So Well, we have friends that bought a farm with all kinds of buildings. And they're kind of like, well, I wish those buildings weren't where they are. Yeah, yeah, and they're taking them down and stuff. So yeah. it can go both ways. It can go both ways. Okay, so things that, like, in an order of... Reminder to the pit folks who maybe have just hopped on yeah. what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, what we would suggest people do in their first kind of... First year, year first yeah, seven months. Like, how to kind of set the year out, set a pace for the first year of a homestead. Um, we see a lot of newbies out there, and so that's ex- super exciting really thrilled that you're joining in this lifestyle because it's there's nothing more satisfying and frustrating and then satisfying again than doing this but you can learn from our mistakes well and i think like homesteaders in general whenever we're talking to them it's people of like action people that want to hit the ground and do something right away and movers and shakers movers and shakers getting things done we love those kind of people but And it's the hardest thing, but the number one piece of advice, and I just said this to somebody today, is to observe, to do absolutely nothing but just see how the sun, the water, the animals, and the plants are growing and acting on your farm before you do anything. Listen. Listen to your land. Go out there during a rainstorm and watch how the water is moving throughout your fields, around your house. Yeah. All of that kind of thing. Water is literally the most important thing on your homestead and it can be the most frustrating and also the most like a, like abundant way to build fertility and prosperity and abundance on your land. But you have to observe it. You have to watch where it comes from. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you get, you know, what climate you're in, if you're in a rainforest or if you're in a more dry, humid climate, you know, you really still can take advantage of whatever water opportunities that you have very effectively. If you just like watch and learn and listen. Yeah. And then the other is like sun. So knowing like, where do you want your garden? And then is that an option or do you need to move some trees or a building or something to have the plants that you want in that spot? Mm-hmm. And then also plants, like the worst thing you could do, well, not the worst, a bad thing you could do, would be to like plow up some spot that you have a bunch of really valuable plants growing or, you know, mm-hmm. cut down. Kind of a, the natural structure. Yeah. You never know. Like, and so you've seen things bloom and grow all mm-hmm. season long, like, what is there growing there that maybe you can use or yeah. work with? Like yeah. we just discovered that two of the trees that Drew's been aching to cut down are actually hackberry trees, which, you know, it's they're not ugly like, trees. Right. I actually think they're very yeah. cool looking trees, but they are in like a midst of weeds and vines and stuff. So we need to clean them up a bit. But I mean, if he'd hacked those hackberries down, I'd be sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't. I cleaned them up today. So they look beautiful. Did you? I didn't yeah. even know yeah. Okay, the next thing is because we are homesteaders, people of action, the next thing I would say to do would be to start a very small garden because you know you want to grow something. So I guess it depends on the time of the year. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. know right now it's impossible not to want to grow. Yeah, something. you got it. You gotta grow something. But yeah. grow it in pots. Grow it in a raised maybe one raised bed. But at least then as you decide where you're going to put your garden, where you're going to put things, you can move them mm-hmm. instead of having this big garden spot that it might turn out is a horrible location. Yeah, I think watching the sun is kind of the key element. The water and the sun, those are your two main your main inputs that 
Um, you can't control, you can't change where they're coming from and how they're coming to you. So really taking the time to see how you can harvest those the best is going to just set you up for long-term success. The next one is cut down obvious trees, which what, what I mean by that is trees to start with around your house, trees that are dangerous. We actually got this one right, which I'm really thankful <laughs> for is... Kind of by accident. Well, no, we had to cut down trees yeah, or we never would have had yeah. a garden at all, period. And I'm not like a big fan of cutting down trees unless you have to. But, you know, there is a time and safety is one of them. The other is, you know, if that's going to be like around your house, like a main growing area, mm -hmm. then you do have to take out some trees. Well, and a lot of times if you can select cut, then you actually are making a way for, for a lot of new life. So, you know, I, we don't like clear cut, but we you know, doing something that's going to only enhance the ability for life to, 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 you know, grow and be. And here's my out, here's my out on it is grass, growing grass actually sequesters more carbon than trees do. That's so, shocking fact. So right? yeah, if you want to justify it, there's how you can do it. Okay. And then the other thing is a mobile mill. So if you're cutting down big trees, there's chances that you might be able to sell those trees with lumber prices as ridiculous as they are now. If you are going to build a building, now's the time to hire a mobile sawmill guy to come out and cut down those trees. Generally, you have to get one person to cut them and somebody else to mill them. But this is a great time with lumber prices to just go ahead and have a sawmill come out. There's nothing cooler than having your own lumber that, you know, if you're building like a barn or something, you can use the wood green. We mm -hmm. built a giant barn out of green pine mm -hmm. and uh, yeah and it's holding up really well yeah it's doing great oh perennials and, Perennial. and trees so i would say that in your first season if you if it's the right time to be planting perennials and, and trees so spring and fall are really your best times for that and maybe even winter definitely not summer don't do this in summertime when it's real wet, when the soil is very wet, then it's a good time to plant in the spring. But then beyond that, you want to kind of wait until trees and such are dormant. Yeah. yeah. But I'd yeah. say go lightly on that, though. Yeah, tread lightly the first year. But I think that, you know, getting some blueberry bushes in the ground, the cool thing about them is that you can always move them. Trees, though, are harder to move. So maybe start with just some of these littler bushes that you can put in around your landscaping and just get some established stuff going on that. You know, the other thing you could do though is get like pots. If you wanted to get some bare rootstock yeah. and get them going in pot. My suggestion is keep everything around your house. So if you want to start establishing oh, kind of like your permaculture zone one, like mm -hmm. right around your house with perennials and that's okay. But once you go out past there, you don't know how things are going to change and right. moving Moving trees. Like well, you even said, for us, huge. our zone one changed drastically when we did an addition on the house. And so then half our garden was gone. And, yeah. and I mean, in the end, now it's way better, but it, you know, it was a little devastating <laughs> yeah. when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just kind of have the end, you know, begin with the end in mind is kind of a, a like thought, like make a big picture. And I really suggest that you in the beginning brain dump every possible thing that you'd ever want to do. That's my next step. Brain dump. Master master plan. So brain dump and then build a master plan around that. Because I think knowing what you want out of your land, do you just want to be self-sufficient? Do you just want to have a place where you can retreat? Do you want it to be the Garden of Eden? You know, like what do you want out of your land? If you really want to be off grid and then you need to have that written down, you know, you want to have solar, do you want to have, you know, just off grid stuff going on? Then you really need to start planning for that and know. And again, brain dump. I think that a change, changes 
happen depending on what property you end up getting. And I know when you're looking for property, you say, oh, I want all of these things. And then when you get the property, because it, it may not be exactly what you had thought going in, it's going to shift and change. Maybe you have a pond and you didn't have a pond in your plan, but there it is. And so what are you going to do with that pond? So that was what happened to us. We had a pond we didn't know we wanted. Right. So my suggestion on top of that was to go ahead and like plant, print out your GIS. If you're in the mm. U.S., it's a uh, GIS. Is, if you Google that, you can find it. But this is satellite photo of your property. And go ahead and start drawing that out. You probably can get it from Google. Too. Yeah, you can get it from Google. Google Maps. Yeah. But go ahead and start drawing out like your dream property. You know, what's it going to look like completely? And then, you know, you can start working towards something. Mm -hmm. Ours changes all the time. But, you know, every once in a while, we'll consult that to kind of see what we're doing. Yeah. What, sure one of the on things track. that I love is I have driven up, drawn up a few garden plans and like on the back written all the things I want to grow, particularly medicinal plants. I on love the back of an envelope. Yeah. And I'll find <laughs> it. I have this one folder where I kind of keep those things. If I, it's like a one really, <laughs> really sad attempt to be organized for me. But when I pull that out, I'm like, oh my goodness, we've really like, I've really done everything that was, that I drew out when I drew it out. It's funny how just drawing it out probably helps like yeah sinks it in it. there mm -hmm. it's like a vision board yeah, Gar garden sure. vision board garden vision board I so, like it. so the other thing i put on there is start thinking of ways if this fits what you want to do but ways to make a little side income off of the homestead for sure what are the potentials there yeah so for us when we moved out here one of the first things we wanted to do was to start having classes and we did and thank heavens that turned into then i got introduced to oils and that turned into another teaching classes all the time and, and making an income that sustains our whole farm, which was incredible. But that I think is a really good revenue way to you. Most people are interested in learning what people are doing on their homestead. So think about that for sure. Well, and then like some of the people in the homestead open house, you know, some of them talked about like they sell like soap or right, they want candies or, you know, you can sell handmade goods. You can hatch chickens and sell chickens. Our right. kids are like have this egg empire they're working on. And I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. You don't have to make a living from it, but it's nice to be able to like pay the feed bill. Well, if you're it. doing it anyway, right? Right. Like if I, so I don't like taking on a whole, the idea of making money with a homestead is different. That's farming. Right. <laughs> In my opinion, it's like a totally different animal. So, you know, I would even go about getting loans and funding and everything totally differently than what we have done. But when you think, okay, I'm planting seeds, I might as well plant the whole pack and then be able to sell plants, right? Or, or trade whatever. with somebody, you know, exactly. like there's lots you can do. So just kind of thinking about that, I think is a good step. And then the last thing I put on here is, and it kind of goes against my number one tip, but was a mobile chicken coop because I know nobody's going to listen to me and not get chickens in the first uh -huh. year. So if you're going to. It is really hard to buy chicken eggs when yeah, you live on a homestead. It is. So, so make it. a mobile coop and then get mobile fences. And mm -hmm. that way you're not like we, we did the opposite and we built a chicken coop where we were for sure going to have chickens for the rest of time and there they, hasn't been a chicken in there and they stayed there for maybe a years. year yeah and so now we have a permanent chicken coop right outside our window that never has chickens in it so it's just an idea um the mobile you know you can get mobile fences with mm -hmm. electric to hook up to them to protect the chickens it's it's the and then you're moving them around. So when you decide. And that's a good rule for any livestock because most livestock you can use that. And we have tried almost every single kind of livestock in those fences. So you can do pigs that way. You can do 
um, chickens and turkeys and goats and sheep, sheep and cows. pigs. Did I say pigs? Yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of choices. Ducks. And doing that actually, it, that is what we did for the first two years, I want to say. And it actually increased our soil fertility all around our house. It helped us clear out woods. So that is a good first step because it doesn't require something that you're going to commit to long term. So mobile, I think, is maybe one of the first things that you can invest in as mobile fences and mobile It's going to be like, it's the... Um, it's super frustrating to move mobile fences through the woods, but it's way less expensive than fencing in a permanent. I mean, you're looking at like maybe $200 for like one large section of uh, fencing and of the mobile fencing. Of the mobile fencing and, mm -hmm. you know, you can do acres that way if you wanted yeah. to, just moving them one at a time. So. It, that's um, but that's all of my tips. I don't know. You got anything? I feel to like add? that's good. I feel yeah. like that's a lot. I mean, I yeah, that's. You guys have any yeah. questions? Post them in the comments. What are yeah? What do you guys feel like would be the first thing, or is the first thing that you do on your homestead? I'm curious. Would you dig a pond? I'm loving seeing your images and pictures of your places. So please keep those coming. I love seeing what you guys have going on and what's growing in your garden. It is an exciting time of year in our area, so hopefully you all are feeling all of that energy. Yeah. All right, everybody. It's great chatting with you. And yeah. if you were watching this as a replay, feel free to put questions in and we'll uh, make sure to get those answered also. We'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> all right. We'll see you later.